0: welcome to the animation industry podcast where you can sometimes listen for pasta tips from terry starting right now because i made pasta for dinner and added sun-dried tomatoes and it turned out so good so next time you're making pasta consider adding sun-dried tomatoes This chat is with the super amazing Lindsay berkey Bile, who many of you probably already follow on Instagram, and if you don't, go give her a look now because she shares so many cool production behind the scenes, animation tips, and she's worked on some of the biggest stop-mo shows in television. Now, unfortunately, as we're doing this recording, Lindsay's dog Puck ate $2,000 worth of sand, and she's waiting to hear back from the vet, which she does at the end of her chat, so tune in for that, if Puck was able to expel all that sand or not. Now Lindsay on the other hand is sand free and in fact has been stop motion animating in television and commercials for the past 10 years. Her work includes Robot Chicken, Crossing Swords and Super Mansion and currently she's animating on Wendell and Wilde, her first feature. In our chat she's gonna share how she got out of stop motion, worked her way up and her recent path of feature stop motion animation, leadership and directing. So now without further ado, let's jump in. Hi Lindsay, how are you?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Uh, despite the fact that my dog is in the hospital right now but he'll be okay tell me about
0: just give me the short on what happened with your dog
1: (laughs) uh basically ate two thousand dollars worth of sand at the beach um yesterday and uh he's having a lot of tummy issues so he's getting some uh some uh puppy laxatives and ivs at the hospital until his sand has exited
0: <laughs> oh my gosh
1: well, well i
0: hope everything turns out with that and don't bring your dog to the beach anymore
1: <laughs> yeah no.
0: so what are you working on these days tell me everything i mean i feel like i already know because you're like so vocal about what you're doing on instagram but just uh you know for people who may not know or follow you what's going on
1: yeah so i just recently uh temporarily maybe not who knows uh feeling a bit of a nomad these days relocated to portland um, to explore feature life and animate on the henry selick uh feature wendell and wild up here um so that's been exciting because this is my first step into feature animation myself um and then before that, you know, I was in L.A. as I have been for the last 10 years. Um, and now currently, actually, I am pitching my show around to networks.
0: Cute. Um, Is it OK? So like, is it tough to get into feature animation from TV animation? Or do most people kind of go that way? Because I feel like there's a, diff- a huge difference in quality when it comes to like working on on like TV, like Robot Chicken or something like that versus like Wendell and Wild. I haven't seen anything of Wendell and Wild, but I'm assuming it's like You know, there's they're going for a Leica quality, maybe. Is it tough to jump? A little
1: bit, yeah. Uh, it's it's a little bit more. Uh, it's I would say it's a little bit more Coraline, Hmm. uh, Leica than um than, uh, the the newest stuff from Leica where everything is super pristine and like you know even like the breaths and everything are put in. It's it's hyper realistic and um, they're, it's very high quality animation but they don't mind a little bit of like twos thrown in and some wabi-sabi just a little bit okay uh the integrity of the magic of the uh of the anime of the animation style intact which i really like
0: what can you share about wendell and wilde like (laughs) can you share anything like how big the studio is like how many animators are there like are you grinding every day like
1: yes so i i can share stuff like that um okay
0: i'm so so curious
1: yeah no uh right now i think there's oh that's a good question how many animators i want to say there's 20 of us oh wow um so there's a fair amount it wasn't that way the whole the whole time um it was a slow ramp up, and then you know, as uh, schedule you know is falling behind a little bit, or you know, they see that they kind of can fit more animators, they've brought more people on. Um, so I think we're around 20 right now, which is which is a lot. Um, let's see here, what else? So, like, comparatively,
0: uh, like on Crossing Swords, how many animators were there on that?
1: I think there were. Oh, that's also a good question. 12 to 15. But I have been on some productions where there've been like 20. Like Super Mansion at one point, I think had 20. Huh. Uh, Robot Chicken, I don't know if they touched 20 ever. I don't know. Um, but yeah, but uh, actually going back to answer your question uh, about television versus feature, I, I don't think it's been easy for television animators to jump over into feature world i mean it 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 happens um but i know a lot of animators who for many years were trying to make the transition and um couldn't do it or you know couldn't get hired um why
0: because like the feature people are like your quality isn't good enough like you don't have enough experience with like what's the biggest reason and like also how come you how come you made the jump also congrats I guess
1: (laughs) thank you um it comes down to not necessarily that I would never say that it is like a you know harder form of animation it's it's a different way of working it's a different way of working that uh is completely the opposite of television television is all about speed and quality. And you don't have any prep before shots. There's no live action references that you are going off of. There's no blocking, there's no pop through. So you just are launched on a shot and you just kind of have to know what you're doing and the physics of things um, to get through the shot as fast as possible while still having obviously some sort of quality um, and there's a whole bunch of like what we call like the animator tool belt with that, where it's almost like there's some formulas that you uh, unintentionally follow for certain things uh, that like give it kind of a style and weight and um, certain principles of animation that, that get you that speed. Um, whereas in features, it's very slow. Every frame you spend so much time on trying to make it perfect. Like the perfect frame before you move on. Like in television, we average eight to 10 seconds a day. In features, Um, it's like one to two seconds a day. Um, Sometimes not even that. There's been shots where I've only gotten 15 frames in an entire day. I'm sure there's some shots where it's even less than that.
0: Is uh, your like patience being tested? Like going from like 10 years working on TV where you're like 10 seconds every day, eight to 10 seconds every day. And and it's even like less frames. Like it's 12 frames per second typically, right? Where I'm assuming Wendell and Wild is like 24 frames per second. So you're like even going slower. Like how is it going from like super fast to like super slow suddenly?
1: Oh, um, it was a transition for me. Um, I I am not going to lie. It was very, very difficult uh, because everything I was trained to do as an animator and everything about also just my process of animating had to be completely deconstructed and thrown out the window. Um, I actually had a mental breakdown on like my third shot where I was crying to the animation supervisor because I was just like, I can't do this. Like, I'm very confident in my animation skill sets, but it is so much patience and uh, just everything is so perfect and uh, following all the references and trusting yourself and, like, following all the arcs and there is no room for error.
0: There's so much Uh, pressure.
1: And, yeah, it's, like, one bad frame and it would be pointed out. Uh, which and then I you was redo nine. it or,
0: like, cut back or what? Like...
1: Um, sometimes, yes. Um, sometimes not. It would just be pointed out.
0: <laughs> like, so your supervisor is, like, going through almost, like, frame, b- frame by frame your animation then? Yes. That's so much pressure. So you were crying. What what happened? Like?
1: Um, it was because I thought I was doing okay. And this was, like, the third shot on the feature. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing for now. Uh, but... I thought I was doing okay because my shots were getting approved and uh, Henry seemed really happy with them. And then it came out that he was not happy with them. And that basically he said that I really needed to step up to match everyone else. Like, and this, and so much was lying on this next shot that basically I kind of had to prove myself and why I was there. Um, Otherwise, they kind of let it be known that I might be under review. Um, So it was kind of like do or die. Like this, this next shot had to be perfect um, or else, I don't know if I'd have a job anymore. And I was just like, fucking hell. And it was actually really great. Uh, The animation, one of the animation supervisors I'm under is possibly my favorite animation supervisor I've ever had. And he talked about his own experience of, switching from television to feature and how he also had like this mental breakdown and was like in the bathroom, like splashing water on his face. And, and he was like, listen, this is really hard and it's hard for everyone. And everyone goes through this stuff. He's like, everyone feels the same way. Like you are not, you are not weird or this is not unusual. And he was like, you're here because we saw something in you and we know that you can do this. So he was like, so just go and do it. And, and that was, it was like a locker room pep talk. And I was like, God damn it. Uh, So I was a stressful mess. Um, I got through the shot and uh, Henry told me it was one of his favorite shots of the feature when I was done. Wow. Yay. So that was a big turning point. Since then, it's been much better. I've been doing, you know, really good and the shots, uh, Henry has really been loving and the animation supervisors have really been excited about. Um, so that's good, but I, I will be a hundred percent honest that the transition for me, um, which I can't speak to everyone's experience, but for me, it was very, very difficult. Um, and took a lot of patience with myself and love and understanding for myself as a creator to like, also like show up every day and keep doing the work and knowing that like I can do this and you know it's just an awkward growing phase um to to get there
0: (laughs) that's crazy because especially I'm thinking like you have 10 years experience in in like tv did it did you did your like ego take a massive hit when you heard that from Henry (laughs) as well
1: um i I mean yes and no i I'll be honest, I don't really think I have much of an ego um i I really always kind of have looked at myself in my work um as like I'm not the best animator i mean i think i i'm I'm not gonna sit here and be like i'm a bad animator i'm I definitely think I'm a good animator um but I look at all my peers work on the regular and I'm always so humbled because their work is so incredible and they have so many skill sets that I don't have. Just like, I probably have some skill sets that they don't have. Um, but I've, I don't know. I've never, I've never walked into a room and have just been like, I'm a really good animator. I just kind of show up and I'm happy to be included. Um and, and know that I can handle the work and, and I have a lot of fun doing it and I love collaborating. So um, I, I it's weird. I've actually always thought of myself as a better director than I am an animator, even though I know I'm a good animator. Um, so when I came over to Features, it wasn't necessarily, I never, it was quite the opposite. I never showed up thinking like, I'm going to like rock this and this is time. <laughs> I think whenever I left, I was like, I don't know what they see in me. Like I'm a really good television animator, but I've never done features. And I was like, can I fucking do this? And everyone's like, yes, you can. And I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> we'll see. Um, but you know, I guess they they did see something that I didn't know about that, you know, they knew that I could handle this. And um, and I'm very grateful for that. Um because I as artists, we don't always see our work maybe as as the world views it. <laughs>
0: Fair. Yeah. Well, they obviously you're, it's paying off now. You're doing good, at, at least from what you tell me. I'm, I'm curious though. Like I want to know kind of more about your history, but like a last question on this one is um, what was it that they, that got you into feature? Like you said, it's a hard jump. What did you put together in your portfolio or like, did you have a connection? Like how did you make that jump when other people have a tough time?
1: I did not. I mean, I've been in the industry long enough that I do know most people. I don't know everyone. Um, but uh, so I wouldn't say it was a connection that got me there, uh, which I would say a lot of people who make the jump, it might be. Um, I would love to know. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, I put together my reel um, and I put together all the character stuff that I've done uh, that I think is you know, the best quality stuff. Um, I expressed that I really wanted to make this jump in my animation career. Um, And from what they told me, because I asked them that question too, because I know a lot of other television animators were vying for that spot. Like I I know exactly which ones and they're very good animators and uh, they chose me and a part of me was a little surprised, um, and, uh, and I was like, wow, because I knew who I was up against, and like I said, they're amazing animators, uh, one of the animation supervisors did tell me, they, they said that, uh, the things that they, that are hard to teach, um, they saw as very masterfully crafted in my, in my work, and that's, Uh, I know they keep talking about my timing. Like They said that my timing is really, really spot on. Like really good timing. They said the acting aspect of it is really good that I had a wide range of acting too where I can go super cartoony but then have these intimate moments Hmm. um, with characters. And um, uh, I think also I had a reputation in the industry for being very fast. Um, and that reputation tends to proceed knowing me. So I think knowing all these things and knowing that I'm fast and that they kind of really need things to be done, (laughs) they need to finish this feature. Um, I think that that was probably what they ended up seeing in me, the things that they said, you know, that I needed to work on, but they were like, we can teach you that, uh, which they have is just dialing in on the perfection of the animation and forcing myself to slow down to really draw out those arcs and plan and you know not be afraid to take 20 minutes on a frame and uh not barrel through some things just to get the character and the timing out um and just like cleaning it up basically cleaning it up is the best way to put it is to clean up my animation from television to give it that perfect that perfect little that feature has um and uh yeah i mean i i guess they were right um because really once i worked on those for the first uh three four shots and then after that it was kind of smooth sailing
0: nice as much like, as it could be i like how they were like you're really fast but here you need to s- we Hired you because you're fast, but now you need to slow down specifically. No,
1: for real. It was really weird. They told me that. They were like, We hired you because you're really fast. And then in the first thing, they were like, We need you to slow down <laughs> so much. And I was like,
0: Oh. You did three yeah. seconds today, Lindsay. Like, this is yeah, too much. Like, hey. Go go to we should only be seeing one from you. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's so weird.
0: That's crazy. Um, um, well, thank you. Yeah, it's always, it's always I'm always curious as to how do like people make jumps into different kind of roles and so for you it was like you know your reputation of timing speed and uh some of that stuff versus like what you would think where you can you know if somebody has like a super perfect uh like referenced animation but maybe they don't have like the timing which is kind of like a different skill altogether it's like i guess it's you know it's not exactly what they're looking for so that's interesting so take me back to why you got into stop motion in the first place because I do research on everybody before I talk to them and I found out that you were in the triathlon scene for a while is that true (laughs) so you're like a professional sport person and now you're like a professional stand here and move your fingers person
1: (laughs) yeah um I was a professional triathlete for many years um competed at a very high level uh but I was doing that while doing stop motion so it's I didn't I didn't do the transition
0: you're doing both um,
1: from one to the other although i did not really study animation in college i studied live action filmmaking and then fell into uh more experimental stop motion particularly uh pixelation animation my junior year and became obsessed with it um (laughs) and was really mad that I was obsessed with it. I remember I sat down with my professor, Tom Gasek, uh, who's still a really good friend of mine today. And I was really upset because I'm a very type A personality. Like everything in my life is like planned. And, um, and I was like, how dare you introduce me to this thing where I don't want to do anything else. Like, I just want to wake up and make weird pixelation animations. Like every day, I don't even want to do live action anymore. And he was very calm about it. And he was like, stick with me and I'll show you how
0: why and were you I was mad like,
1: because who makes a living doing that shit
0: oh I see I see you're like there's no opportunity in this thing that I love now <laughs>
1: yeah um and and I kept you know I I tell everyone I didn't choose stop motion stop motion chose me and I really stand by that because I slapped it away aggressively for m- most of my life oh say. <laughs> it kept like coming at me and I kept being like, get away. Like, <laughs> like even my parents in college, uh, I took like a animation one-on-one class and it was just stop motion. Um, it was like a requirement for everyone in the live action and animation. It was a school of film and animation at RIT and, uh, your first year they make you do everything. And then you choose where you want to kind of like concentrate in. And, um, uh, I was showing my stuff to my parents and I was also like one of the best in the class and my parents were like you know out of everything you're the most excited about this and you're really good at it and they're like have you thought about pursuing it and I was like parents be responsible no one makes a living doing stop motion animation I was like do you want me to be like poor and in a gutter dying no I was like it's a hobby stop it and they were like oh, okay like we don't know like you know we were just saying like you know it looks nice
0: that's hilarious Usually, um, parents are like the ones being like don't go into stop motion what is what is animation like become an engineer become a triathlete
1: <laughs> yeah not not at all they, they were very supportive they didn't understand most of the stuff i was doing um because they were all engineers um yeah. And then I'm just like, I want to do film. And they were like, we don't know that, but go do it. Um, they were just supportive and they saw something I was really good at. And, you know, they were just like, okay, like, we don't know, like, if it's a career or not, you know, we just see that you're good at it and you like it. And I was just like, okay, well, stupid idea.
0: <laughs> so how did you get your um, first job in stop motion then? If you were like slapping it away and then suddenly you're getting paid to wake up and do it.
1: So that's actually a fun story and I'll, I'll try and tell it a little bit concise, but it's, it's, it is a fun story. So, um, because I studied pixelation exclusively, um, I became one of the only pixelation specialists in the world, really. Um, I mean, stop motion people, they all do pixelation, but that was like solely what I studied and did um, so right out of school, I got picked up as a director for pixelation animation underneath a company called uh TEG. And the good news was is it was really cool. I was a director out of school. The bad news is uh there really weren't many pixelation jobs, you know? And and I'm just wrapped under the company. So I was doing like three jobs a year and living in New York City, but uh, try and make ends meet. <laughs> Uh, just working three jobs a year. I couldn't. So they let me in between jobs be like their like administrative assistant at their production company, uh, which was great. I learned a ton of production skills. Like, yes, the title was administrative assistant, but I was really an assistant producer. Um, I handled, uh, honestly, I was more of a coordinator. sorry uh the vet was calling um i'll I'll call him after i'm sure it's okay
0: we can can take a break if you want to
1: no it's okay i'm sure it's okay your
0: poor dog (laughs) Uh,
1: my little buddy um but uh where was i oh my gosh my story so
0: administrative assistant
1: yeah i was i was i was really like a coordinator and assistant producer the stuff that i learned there uh Gosh, I still use um to this day because it was a really small company. So everyone kind of had to wear a lot of hats. And there were some projects I very much was a producer on, um, which which was cool. Um, and then I was also directing some things and I was doing lots and lots and lots of pitches. And another director that was under the Ebeline group uh was Buddy Systems in Los Angeles. They were also wrapped. Um So, I became obsessed with Buddy Systems because, from my perspective, the work that they were putting out, and I was often bidding for jobs against them because they were the other like stop motion, but I was a little bit more experimental. So, um, sometimes I'd win, sometimes they'd win, but I just imagine them having this massive team because the stuff they were putting out was so cool. And uh, the Ebeling group went under um, for it was a shit show. It was a shit show. Uh, the company went under, um, they ended up owing me, um, a fair amount of money, uh, from some jobs that I did that, uh, they just didn't have the money to pay me. And, uh, I saw an opportunity and I gave them two options. It was, uh, either I basically sue them because legally that money was mine and they spent it. Um, or they get me an interview with buddy systems because I was emailing them and they were ignoring me, um, for good reason, because at that time they were literally just operating in Harv town at Harv Harv's garage. Uh, but in my mind, they were big studios. So I was just like, why are they not paying attention to me? Like, what the fuck? Um, so they ended up getting me that interview and to make a very long and hilarious, story way more concise i went on this huge adventure got the interview um, and they were just awarded robot chicken like three days before my interview so they were moving in a matter of like five months from harv's garage to the warehouses where they're currently at and they were expanding and needed a lot of people and i wasn't a character animator then um but alex kamer You know, I feel like my career is a lot of people seeing things in me that maybe I don't see and uh, wanting to curate that, which I'm very grateful for. Um, He saw something in me beyond that and also saw I had a ton of production experience. And for the first time, they were going to create a position to be an animation coordinator. Um, And they needed someone who knew animation and also had production experience, which was literally me. Uh, So they hired me. Uh, I lied and said I lived in Los Angeles. They said I started Monday. I was sitting in my New York City apartment on a Friday night. Um, That was crazy. But I uh, took the job. And really from there, uh, Alex became uh, my animation mentor. And I animated after work every day for hours, and then I'd bring it in and he would look at it and critique it and I would keep doing that until eventually I was good enough to be put on shots. And eventually I, I moved away from the coordinator position and moved into an animator position. Um, and then, yeah, the rest is wow, weird wow. history. Yeah.
0: How, but, did you, uh, how did you get there on Monday? I'm just curious.
1: Um. I flew and I knew absolutely no one. I had this really stretch of a connection from one person in high school that I never really talked to who lived in Los Angeles. And I was like, was friends with them on Facebook. And I was like, listen, I know this is weird, but can I please crash on your couch for a week? Like I will be your maid. Like, I don't know what else to do. This was before Airbnb. Like I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And I'm so grateful they said yes, and I did their dishes and I cleaned, and I was there a week. It only took a week until I found a place, and then I I moved in. But uh, man, uh, what a
0: crazy journey from like
1: oh, insane
0: being like, Do I sue to get all this big lump sum of money, or do I pressure them into getting me an interview at this place? I think is cool, and then like, What are we at? Like, 11 years later, you're like working on feature films now, <laughs> like.
1: yeah it's you know I always said the if I ever wrote an autobiography it would be called falling down the stairs and sticking the landing (laughs) and I I feel like that is that is my life I have just constantly fallen downstairs and just stuck the landing and kept going and uh it's led me to some really cool places
0: so like thinking back of how you were so mad at your prof and your parents for being like stop motion is cool and you should do it and you loved it and actually doing it for like over a decade now and like you know you wake up and this is your day job and you live and breathe it how does it feel like what is the what is the internal thing telling you about what you're doing with your life
1: you know it's funny uh the only thing i think about with with that is two things i i keep thinking like man what would my life be like if I actually said, "You're right, maybe I should study this," and ended up studying stop motion in college? Hmm. Um, but then a part of me too is I really enjoyed the journey that I took. It's it's a very weird one, and I feel like that journey gave me a lot of skill sets that allowed me to move beyond uh, being an animator and into a lot of other areas. Of the industry um, that I actually enjoy even I love, I love animating. Like I'm one of those animators who legit just loves animating. I fucking love it. Um I do it outside of work. Like I go home and I'll animate something. Like I just I can't get enough of it even after all this time. But um there's other areas of the industry that I enjoy even more than that, uh, which is egregious. <laughs> I just I love a lot of things. Um, and so, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the path that I took, um, except for the fact that I can't draw a lick. I suck at drawing. I wish I, wish I took drawing classes in college. I, I wish I had those skill sets. And I know I can learn, but I, I quite literally do not have time. Yeah, because
0: um, you're animating nonstop.
1: <laughs> yes, very, very demanding hours, more so in features than in television, actually, which I found surprising. Um, and then I have all these side projects. So, uh, people assume I don't sleep. I definitely sleep for those it, of you out yeah, there. I feel like,
0: I don't know, just from watching your journey on Instagram, I feel like you're just doing everything 24 seven. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how she has that energy.
1: That's <laughs> Okay. So, everyone so you got
0: into like stupid buddy, which, well, it's now stupid buddy, but like animation, like pretty a long time ago, like when things mm-hmm. were starting up and, um, I guess, you know, being a woman in animation and and like seeing it through and it's very male dominated. How has that gone kind of over the years and even being part of the beginning?
1: So it's been really interesting because I got into the industry not really thinking that there was too many struggles that women had in the industry, you know, like, like, you know, you heard about them, but I think because I hadn't experienced them yet, I was like, but I'm, I'm getting jobs. Like I'm able to survive in the industry. And I didn't see like the bigger picture of things until later on in my career. But, um, often when I first started, I was like one of the only, female animators on a show uh i think the most that there was uh in the beginning years especially there was like 3 of us um which is not even like 20% of the animators um and almost all of the shows were not written by women um and to this day i've never been under a female director in the industry uh, not even in commercials um, and I literally until this year, 2021, I had not been underneath a female animation supervisor either. Um, uh, Santa Inc was, uh, was the first one where I was underneath a female, uh, animation supervisor, which was awesome. Uh, but really now I'm really proud of the industry and how far it's come in that there's a lot more female animators on shows there's been some show there's been like some shows recently i would say in the last 2 years in particular where it's been like 40% female uh which is a first uh which is so exciting uh but i'm still not seeing those positions rise up beyond that um i'm not seeing leadership positions Uh, women becoming animation directors, animation supervisors, uh, even lead animators, um, directors, things like that, Uh, selling shows, uh, writing. Uh, I I am seeing more women write shows, but that is also a recent thing. And it became very disheartening Uh, later in my career, after I started feeling very confident in my animation and Uh, you know, like I, I could walk on a show. It was a really good feeling to feel like I could walk onto a show and not be anxious. If I could like do it, I was like excited Hmm. to animate and bring my own skill sets and work with the director and everything, because I felt very confident in my skills and it just became really fun after that, because I wasn't thinking so much about like, I have to make this be weighted and I'm not quite sure how to do that. And it doesn't look right. Um, I could go into a shot and and just know how to make it weighted and know how to make it look good and be able to have fun and put little flourishes on it. And, uh, but once I got there, I was like, okay, my whole goal was to move to directing my whole career after that. Um, I wanted to take the time and really master animation and also work in a lot of different areas of the industry so that I could be an even better leader and return back to directing as a stronger force. And when I decided that I wanted to start doing that, um, I got a lot of roadblocks. Um, it was really difficult and really frustrating and, I started noticing also other women, uh, like for example, in the lighting department, um, there's this one woman who I think is one of the most talented lighting technicians and DPs I've worked with, and she could not for the life of her get a DP role on a show, even though she is just as qualified, if not more qualified than the DPs who were getting these jobs. And Uh, it's, it's the same, it's the same type of thing. Um, you know, I, it's, it comes down to that. It still is very much kind of a boys club and it's really hard, you know, whenever, and I get it, like you want to hire your friends on things, you know, like for example, when I sell a show, I'm going to want to hire my friends who are also extremely talented to work on them. Um, and, a lot of times it's really difficult to as a female to become friends with with males and be able to get those close relationships uh so that whenever they do gear up for stuff they're like oh yeah like my best friend Lindsay I you know I know that she's wanted to be an animation supervisor and she has all this experience and like I'm gonna hire her um because you know the male female uh boundaries and, you know, things might seem inappropriate or feelings might get, but it's, it's, it's harder to make friends, uh, between male and female, uh, unfortunately. Um, so, so yeah. So a lot of times they end up hiring their friends who tend to also be males and it's really hard to rise up. So I got really frustrated for a while about that. Cause I was very vocal being like, I have a lot of directing experience. I, you know, have been in this industry a long time. I also am very production minded. I'm quite literally the perfect storm for someone to be in a leadership position of some sort in the animation industry. And everyone agreed. And I just wasn't getting anything. So I started just being like, well, fuck it. So going out and basically creating it for myself. And I was like, if no one's going to hire me, then I'm going to bring big jobs to the studios and direct them myself and then like almost hire the studio to do it for you know to be kind of like basically hire the studio to hire me to do the job that I brought in. Uh which is how I got my start in doing that. And then eventually uh I found open the portal or open the portal found me I don't know which. And uh that relationship is really special. They they really saw me uh, they're, they're a great studio who really, really sees art for art and don't really see people, you know, male, female, like wherever you come from, whatever, ethnic, like they don't, they don't care. They don't even see it. Um, they just see talent and passion and they saw me and were like, we want you to come join us as a director. And, uh, they took a chance on me and it's, it's been a wonderful experience, uh, since then I miss them dearly while I'm in Portland. Um, but, but yeah, uh, it is really difficult. And I I will say, I will close things up by saying, um, the industry is changing. And I think the more women band together and help each other, get to the places that they want to get to that's really where the change is happening and you know we're forces to be reckoned with and we're so talented and you know I really think it's about community and becoming you know cheerleaders for each other and uh helping each other in this really fun and collaborative industry in general um to make things a little bit more even and more stories be heard and, and more art be shared.
0: Man. Well, thanks for sharing that. And also that just hearing this, that sucks.
1: (laughs) Oh, I have many stories. (laughs) There's also been times when I've been in a leadership position early in my career. And, uh, I was quite literally not called by my name. I was called sweetie, honey, baby on set. When I was the animation supervisor, like, It's, it, it has changed so much. And I, I really hope that some people who maybe are getting into the industry now really appreciate that because I'm, I'm not that old. I've been in the industry, you know, 10 years, but in 10 years, it has changed so much. And I'm so excited to see what the next 10 years brings and hopefully get to a point where, you know, women and people of color in the industry can get into the industry and, and quite literally be like, what there used to only be like three animators that were female on a show. Like there were no female directors. Like that's weird. You know, I, I can't wait for that day for that to sound stupid. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I like, I hate how you had to like go on your own to make your own opportunities, but I also kind of love that you did that. Like it sounds so frustrating to be up against just a wall that you can't Break, even though you have all the relevant experience skills, you know the mindset. You're asking for this, and people are saying yes, and it's just not coming. Like my brief, like studio life in stop motion, it's it's like very different than my like business life, and it, it's in stop motion. The the stuff I was just on, it's very much like I'm super friends with everybody. Like we hang out all the time. Like you know, you, you hear about jobs from connections and stuff versus like, you know, what business you apply with your resume, you don't know anybody. And like they go through and look at your skills and stuff versus like, I feel like in animation, everybody just knows each other and like brings their friends on jobs, which is like great, but also sucks because it, it doesn't open up the opportunity for like, for instance, like women or people of color or whatnot. So um, tell me more about how you got your own directing roles like you you said that you went out and you like, you know, you wanted to be a director. So you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like sell something or pitch something and then bring that in as work. And then you worked with Open the Portal, for instance. So like, can you explain what you did exactly?
1: Yeah, I, I will preface this by um, anyone who's listening. I, I wish I had an answer that could help more people. (laughs) Um, I often am bewildered by how I got here myself. Um, I mean, I put in the work. It's just, it's, it's weird. I've been very lucky. Um, and also have put into the work in things that I, I, it was like taking pasta and just throwing it at the wall and seeing what sticks for a long time, because I really didn't know either where it came from is actually, um, so it started with my knowledge of social media, uh, because I was an athlete and you know had a career in athletics. Uh, how I got sponsorships was through social media through my athlete page, and unfortunately, in women's sports, this is my little side note: um, the way you get sponsors and and people to pay you to compete it has very little to do with how good you are. Like I could win an iron man and still not get as many sponsors as if I just posted a lot on my Instagram and had a lot of followers. Hmm. It's unfortunate. Um, It definitely is something that needs to change. And it's very, uh, it's very sexist. It's not that way with men. Uh, But it is the nature of how it was when I was in it. And I knew that. So I, had fun. I mean, I had fun with it. It wasn't like, I I love social media. I love people and I love connecting. Um, as anyone who follows me can probably tell I'm sometimes I just go on there just to talk to people while I'm eating breakfast. Um, but, uh, so it was pretty easy for me to build up my Instagram and I learned a lot because I took it seriously as a business because it was a business. That's how I was getting sponsorships. And, uh, out of my many, many years of learning that, uh, I was surprised at the fact that I never started an animation Instagram. And it was really because I was very scared um, I ha- of, of putting my art out there, um, especially at that time, something that many people will probably be very shocked to hear about, but it's very honest, is uh, I had major imposter syndrome and it had to do with some really mean things that were said at the very beginning of my career whenever I became an animator. Again, I was one of the only females on the show and I overheard through the curtain some of my male co-workers talking about me in my new position that I was really excited about because what they didn't see is that I went home and animated every day after work and like worked really hard. And they were just like, oh, yeah, did you hear that Lindsay became an animator? And and they were like, yeah, isn't that ridiculous? Like the only reason they they promoted her is because she's cute and she's one of the only girls and so the guys like to keep her around oh and it was very belittling to my skill sets yeah. but especially being less confident you know this was 24 year old Lindsay, um and just really excited and happy to be included and then to have like peers who i really looked up to basically say that they didn't respect my work and they just think I got it because of my looks was I'm not going to lie. I worked through it extensively in therapy for many years. Um, it really gave me extreme imposter syndrome that I was afraid that everyone was looking at my work then and being like, she's such a bad animator. We don't know why she's here. Like that was something that was always in my head when I was making stuff. So I really didn't share anything. And I was doing these personal projects for fun and I was creating fine art, like these masks and all this stuff. And I never showed anyone or, or I would, I'd put them in a gallery, but I wouldn't tell anyone that they were there, um, that I knew. And, uh, I finally, you know, I really think that if something really scares you, that's just a sign that you should do it even more. And, it scared me to think about putting my stuff online and it started off not necessarily as a thing to get me director work. It was a thing for me to try and tackle this imposter syndrome and just do something that makes me extremely uncomfortable, um, in the hopes that if I kept doing it, that it would just get better, you know, fake it till you make it. And so I started my Instagram and just started putting everything on there. And that was part of the dialogue. It was for me where uh I was like, even the shots that I think are bad, or, or the shots that even my animation supervisor thought were bad. You know, in television, you get some shots put on the air that it's not that they're bad. I mean, you know, we're all professional animators, so they're no. still good, but maybe as far as the quality that they're looking for, it's not the best. And you know, they tell you basically like next time, step it up. And I even put those shots on there. Like, and it was like a therapy thing for me where I was like, you know what? Everyone has bad shots. Like I wanted to show the process and try to demystify stop motion also for others and be really honest and just be like, listen, I don't think this is good, but I'm going to put it up here because I'm still proud of it. And it's still part of my journey. And it's still good in its own right. And things don't have to be perfect to be good. And as a result of that, I think I'd like to hope, I can't say, but that, you know, I started gaining a following because people saw that I was very real about the process and very honest about it and didn't take myself too seriously. And, um, you know, don't really have much of an ego uh, and I really liked sharing it and also showing people that it is a job because I didn't think it really was a job. Um, otherwise I probably would have gotten into it sooner and kind of like, maybe, maybe it really was kind of giving like the younger Lindsay, like the little Lindsay and me, like what she really probably wanted when she was, you know, in high school and college and starting off in her career. Um, and uh i was lucky that a fair amount of people connected to that and started pushing my stuff out um as a result um i started seeing an opportunity where i was like okay well i'm starting to gain traction on here and i know that i use my athletic instagram for business and i got sponsorships off of it and i looked at it like that i was like well i'm going to try and see if i can get quote unquote sponsorships aka jobs from my animation Instagram. Hmm. So I started creating work on there that wasn't for a client, but was like geared towards clients, if that makes sense. Like for example, Down Shooter food animation, where there was no client involved, but it was kind of showing like, I can do this. And like hoping that a food company might see it and be like, oh, that's cool. I want that. Um, and it worked. I started doing my live animations and just putting my, my work out there. And, um, some clients started gravitating towards that. And I started so you didn't, getting, you like, didn't
0: actually reach out to anybody and say like, you know, I made this food animation. You're a, you're a small food business. They just found no. you. people saw it. They shared it. They knew somebody that worked at this place and they're like, this is cool. You should do this. Get in touch with her. And that's what happened.
1: Yes. And the other the other way that I also got jobs is because I was so vocal on Instagram and a lot of my peers followed me um, and they saw that it put it in their minds every day that I'm doing work outside of work. So oftentimes when my peers would get jobs that they they couldn't handle because they are working Um, at a studio or they were already doing a directing job or whatever it was they would pass it on to me because they were like oh well Lindsay does stuff yeah so they would pass it on for them exactly so it was through connections and um and all of that and then really the the main break for me uh I'll side note I also used some of my old directing connections um, that wasn't as much as the way I'm describing. Um, I, I reached out to them with what I put together as a directing reel and was like, Hey, just letting you know, I'm getting back to directing. If you have anything, let me know. And those didn't happen right away, uh, for like a couple years, but it's, it is interesting. Some jobs have come from that, like two years later that I guess they just remembered, uh, which is kind of interesting, crazy. but yeah, kind of crazy. But the big thing was, is I got the attention, um, I got the attention from uh, Drake, um, the music artist, uh, Drake and uh, Boy Wanda, uh, his producer and Jay Balvin and Romeo Santos, they were putting together this big song. Um, and boy Wanda found my work and was a huge fan and, uh, hired me to do the Drake music video. Um, unfortunately, and that, that was a very large budget, uh, huge video where I brought it to stupid buddy and, you know, had like their entire team on it. It was an amazing experience. They decided like three days before we started shooting that Drake didn't want to release the song anymore.
0: Ooh, oh my gosh. What the heck?
1: Yeah. This
0: is huge so, opportunity.
1: Yeah. So the even though we had everything built and all the beautiful puppets made, uh, that job disappeared. But know. just because it disappeared, it opened up many more opportunities. I know Boy Wanda is, I cannot sing his praises enough. He is one of the most beautiful, amazing humans I've ever met and very positive and um you know word was also spread of the great work that we were doing um even though it didn't go all the way and uh some more music artists kind of came my way uh some that still haven't same thing you know we haven't gone the whole way but um but word of mouth starts happening and you know the more jobs you get i know it's like kind of a bummer where it's like ugh like the more jobs you get the more jobs you get but um it's true. The more jobs I did and the more personal projects that I did and put out there, the more jobs I got until I paired with Open the Portal. And then I kind of became like the music video commercial uh department for them. So any smaller job that wasn't like longer form story that came in to open the portal was handed to me. Um, and you know, those jobs too, even though they might you know, I, I do those jobs, but I also meet the producers on them and I make connections with um, if there's a co-director or a producer, I stay in touch with them. And a, a lot of times I find that uh, a lot of companies don't know stop motion people. And so if they get to know one, AKA you, you're their go-to for everything. And they're who you rec- who they recommend to everyone else. Yeah. Um, and so that you know, kind of snowballs out. And that's kind of how I am operating at this time is that I'm not, I'm hard. I would love to be posting on social media more uh, to keep perpetuating that. Um, but I have been very, very busy and I <laughs> barely have time and I hate it. Um, and also Instagram unfortunately has stopped per- uh, supporting the creator. Yeah. and putting their stuff out like I've I've had my stuff shared even by some pages that have millions of followers and it's gotten like a hundred thousand likes and you know four hundred four thousand comments and I've only gained like 50 followers from it and it's because it's even hard to search hashtags now
0: yeah it's Instagram is just like Turning into TikTok somehow. But anyways, can I just take a moment to like say thank you and appreciate how you've treated your social media? Because for like me, I followed you for a long time and you helped like demystify stop motion for me because like I was the same, like I pushed stop motion away for so long because I was like, it's not a career. You know, productions come out there in the States by like nameless, fameless, nameless, faceless, magical people. You know, you see Robot Chicken and you have no idea how it gets produced who's behind it but like just watching you over the years is like really helped me be like this is a thing and they're real people and you know like now I can actually see how it's being made and it's like sometimes it's like this huge production and sometimes it's you sitting at your desk like at home and it's just like for me it's been like like I think demystifies like the best word that I can give it to you and I'm that's why I'm really happy to chat with you too because I, just like knowing your journey and like how you even like how you got into it when you weren't intending to at the same time, like in my mind, I was always like, well, I'm not going to a stop motion school and you know, I have to have the internship and blah, blah, blah. And like my journey has been similar to you where it's just like kind of fallen into place. So I just want to say thank you for sharing so much on your Instagram. And I know like, even like, I've recommended so many people like follow you if they're interested in like learning or knowing about it, even like at Sheridan college, I know that like some of the profs have even shared your Instagram to like their class being like, what? I'm, I'm being serious <laughs> like follow 10 second day if you're interested in in what's going on in stop motion because Lindsay's like super like shares everything tips etc so yeah um well,
1: that means a lot because that was my my whole goal and what i wish i had it even whenever i got the job in in uh, robot chicken it was still this mystical imaginary land in my head where yeah i it to people that there are no stupid questions like I literally thought that maybe there were like a couple animators working on one shot and maybe like one animator was only allowed to like animate one character like I had no idea well even and when so you were working at
0: that other company when when you when um buddy systems and you thought it was like this huge thing that was just in his garage like <laughs> yeah. people don't realize how kind of ragtag stop motion is sometimes <laughs> <I know.
1: laughs> it's <kind of> great <laughs>
0: Um, so another question I have is like, as you're talking, you know, you're building all these connections, you're becoming a director, you're, you're a producer, et cetera. Like what's stopping you from starting your own studio versus just, you know, it sounds like that almost seems like a natural next step for you versus working at other places.
1: It does. And I've, it's funny you say that I've gotten that quite a lot. Um, I, the things that I'm passionate about doing, um, are I'm. Let, let me start over. I am someone who's very, very good at business, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that is my favorite thing yeah. to do in the industry. I feel like
0: I knew you were going to say this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and I know that running a studio, it's not like you're not the director. No, You're not, you're not the show creator. You're not the animator. You, you are running a business. And although I know I would be fucking stellar at that. Like I I will say it, I would be um I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. My my goals are uh which is starting to happen now, but uh my goal is to direct and uh create shows and pair with a studio um hopefully in particular that matches uh my own views in the way that I Really want to run things, which is very artist focused. Um, I've had the pleasure of working in almost every studio now. I mean, not not everyone, but in television, pretty much all of them, uh, minus a few here and there. And
0: you, you know, also motion st- studios.
1: Yeah, stop motion studios, yeah. stop motion studios. Um, and then you know, and now getting the features and see how that's been run um there's some things that i really love that they do and there's a lot of things that i really thoroughly disagree with um and i feel very passionate about fixing in the industry um like you know i i want my artists to feel empowered and to be paid good rates and uh for it to be a very playful and collaborative process and not just someone creating you know someone's vision and that's it um, i I really want to not treat them like factory workers. And that's something yeah. I feel very, very strongly about and why I won't bring some of my own work to certain studios.
0: So you, so your idea is like, you, you're you like, I've had experience in the industry and I've seen a lot of good things and bad things. And I want to create this um, empowering workspace for artists and basically everybody who's working there that, you know, you come, you're paid well, you're, you're, you get the feedback you want, et cetera. And you're your strategy to accomplish this is to sell a show and then partner with a studio that um, aligns with your values instead of uh, creating that studio space and partnering with somebody who can bring in, like, it's like, I guess the opposite would be like, I guess my question is like, how do you, how do you partner with a studio and then hope that their values align when you're not in control of that? Cause they could, you know, they, they bring in a, producer who changes things and then your your vision is like obscured instead of creating that place yourself and then going from there
1: so i know the studio before i pair with them like for example open the portal is a great um i'm currently uh pairing uh right now with the show that i'm pitching um i'm partnered with woodchop carry balloons which are two amazing EPs um, who is is my tribe. Like we really see things the same way. We want to operate the same way.
0: Gotcha. Um, so you, so you they're, have...
1: they're people I trust.
0: Yeah.
1: And the other thing too is in, in building out a show, you know, it's not necessarily always that I've learned, you know, if I pair with a studio that they just start hiring people and I have no say in who's hired. In most of the jobs that I've done, Um, I have a say in who's hired because it is my project at the end of the day. Um, and usually there, I have very strong opinions as to, especially near the top, like who would be the producer, um, who, who would be, you know, obviously creatively like the DP and everything that makes sense. But, um, the E I mean, the EPs would come with the studio, but if the studio was a studio I already trusted, I don't yeah. have to worry about that because the people there are already good people.
0: Okay, makes sense. And it's good to know some studios in and out before you even partner with them, I guess. Cause well, you've been you've been to every studio already. So you have an idea, I guess. Can you tell yeah. me more about your your pitches? So you're you have this show that you've created and you're going to networks right now and pitching it. And then once it's yeah. so tell me about that.
1: So uh, the show is called "Apartment down the hall."
0: oh my gosh, um, can I, you give the pitch here or or
1: <laughs> i I mean I would love to I need the presentation and everything it's about <laughs> okay it's give me give me like the log line pitch.
0: give me the like the premise
1: okay wait, wait wait it's it's been a hot second. I'm gonna read the log line because now <laughs> now you got me frazzled oh putting you on the
0: spot here. you never know. know somebody might mm-hmm. be listening to this and and hear it, and you know, I
1: don't know who knows um So when kooky residents, strange spirits and bizarre creatures emerge from her building, a teenage spirit medium recruits her shy neighbor to investigate in search of the truth hidden inside one apartment. The unlikely pair of loners must work together to save themselves and others from their darkest fear. And really, what this show is, it's it's a horror show. Yeah. Um, and it's about overcoming fear through connection. Um, oh. It is an episodic with a meaningful story arc uh, that tackles some heavier subjects than we've seen in um, current stop-motion shows. Uh, it's, it's roughly for ages 14 to 18 and young adults. Um, and very much like Harry Potter, it deals with uh, things like death, shame, loss, uh, mental health, uh, much deeper subjects that have meaning that are about human connection with others and with themselves. Um, yeah, so so that's my my piece.
0: What is it called um, again?
1: Apartment Down the Hall.
0: Apartment Down the Hall. And imagine you yeah. made it at apartment... Oh, apartment D. I was thinking of opening. Oh
1: yeah, apartment <laughs> D. Um, <laughs> love them. Um actually a lot of us went to school together. Fun
0: fact. Crazy. Um, um so this is really fun. So it's stop motion and it's like uh yes. it's it's cause as, as you were talking, I was already like envisioning like each apartment has like a different like, I don't know, theme or spook in it or like discovery. And it's like a big building. So you can like go endlessly. But most style motion traditionally has just been like gags like Super Mansion, Robot Chicken, um, even like kind of sh- well, Shivering Truth and like Ultra City Smith, which I just worked on are more serialized. But do you th- do you see like, is this a good time to get into something like this, now that you know every broadcaster and stream is creating a streamer a streaming service and looking for kind of deeper content.
1: I think it is, um, and I think too there's starting to be a push and a shift into animation being able to tackle some deeper things and more in depth characters and story, which yeah. is really exciting. And I think especially because of the pandemic. I think people are really looking for stories that involve connection because that's something that we're really missing in the current world, especially in being in isolation and having to be so far from people and uh, connection is something that we're really missing. And so the shows that are doing the best are the ones that have those pieces and have characters that we really enjoy watching go on their own personal growth journeys and uh, going on adventures and having fun and making us laugh, but also having a very meaningful story arc um, and watching them connect with others, um, which I think is beautiful and something that I've always wanted to bring to the table. It's just, I feel like now is the time for it.
0: Yeah. Seems like you have a, a very good sense of purpose with this show, like just hearing you talking about it. Um, one question that comes to mind, and I faced a lot with the Silly Duck Wizard pitching that around, is people are not familiar with stop motion and networks will be like, I've n- never done a stop motion before. I have no idea budget, no idea where to start. Why does this need to be stop motion? Why can't it be like 2D? What is, have you faced this yourself? And do you have a, do you have an answer or like a reason it needs to be stop motion?
1: Yes, I, I don't come across that often, but that's because I already addressed that, um, Ah. pretty, pretty early in the pitch. Um, I, I also love creating shows where the medium is just as important as the main character. Uh, and for example, apartments on the hall, it needs to be stop motion because I really want to create an environment that feels real you know with the tangibleness and the textures but you can still play and warp reality in the fun way that animation allows you to yeah um also with it being horror I really love that stop motion <laughs> can lend itself naturally, to already yeah. be naturally a little bit creepy or horror and what I like about that is my character designs and the concept art and everything are not are not really designed to be creepy, except for the monsters, obviously. Um, they're very clean, very kind of uh, uh, like graffiti style noodle arm characters. Um, and they're gonna be animated in a very Tex Avery way, but they're very clean. But the purpose of that is I'm like, I can create very clean, likable characters and the stop motion is going to naturally kind of bring that creepy horror element into it naturally. Also, stop motion doesn't age. I can show someone Nightmare for Christmas and tell them it was done yesterday and they would believe me. If I were to show them Shrek, they would laugh me out of the room. They'd be like, this looks like pre-viz animation. But like right. back when Shrek was first released, that was mind blowing. Like if you seriously, anyone watching this, just watch like a, a clip from the first Shrek. The, the computer graphics are horrendous now. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's terrible.
0: I feel the like Shrek is, a, great. Shrek is a bad example because it's just like meme to the end of the
1: world. Now. I know. Go but watch like Toy Story
0: of. 1. It's like it's like embarrassingly bad. Like Andy, I, I recently saw like something on, on Reddit where like all the other kids are just Andy clones. Like if you, there's a scene where what? they're like all running through to the to the to the living room to open presents and they're all just Andy, like just with <laughs> different clothes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't even make different characters. <laughs> Um, I, well, I don't, I I'm like super interested in this pitch. I am so curious to see what your character designs look like, but I'm just wondering, you know, we've been chatting for a while and I don't want to keep, I want to keep you forever. And I was going to ask you what you're working on next, but maybe let's dial it back. Like what advice would you give somebody entering the industry or, you know, facing some challenges in the industry already in their, their stop motion animator and facing some challenges in terms of like where they're heading or or their animation style or whatever what would you say like that kept you going through all this to them
1: so I I love this um I love this question I would say number one stay humble uh when I was the coordinator at stupid buddy I was the first round of going through animator reels and doing interviews to then pass on my favorites Ah. to the animation supervisor and I saw it time after time animators who didn't have a lot of industry experience but had a pretty good reel you know I could see the potential it's more about seeing the potential in newer animators um, than it having like a perfect reel, it's more about showing that we can work with you. And if you have that understanding, when you come in for the interview, there is nothing worse than you walking in and thinking that you are any sort of hot shit. Uh, because that just shows us right away that we can't work with you, that you have an ego. You already think you're good. You got this interview that we're going to hire you. Like we really want likable people that we can work with and it's all about collaboration. This entire industry is about collaborating. It is not about animation superstars. Um, Even fellow animators, we learn from each other. Like we have a slack line on Wendell and Wild where we just share animation tricks where someone's like, hey, I just discovered with this one character, like he has this weird neck, but if you grab it in this particular place, you can really get this one movement. And we're all like, whoa, we had no idea. (laughs) Like. And, or like, I just discovered this tool and everyone should be using it. And we're like, you're right. (laughs) Um, It's, it's a deeply collaborative process and we all learn from each other and no one wants to work with someone who is not someone that we want to hang out with and who's going to be a good sport. And I know that might sound like, oh, well, if I'm an intern, they're just making me coffee. I'm just supposed to be a good sport about it. And it's like, well, yeah. (laughs) Uh, the reason for that is because it says something much bigger about when you become an animator. And if someone tells you to do something that maybe isn't your favorite or you see is stupid, but the director really wants it, you're going to be a good sport and you're going to contribute to the project. You know, it doesn't mean you can't voice your opinion that maybe, ah oh, maybe it could be this way. But if they, if the director says, no, I really want it to be this, then you, okay, like you do it. Um, that's one thing that I've seen a lot, especially with people right out of college. Um, the second thing is really try and get in, um, like if you want to be an animator, really try and get in, um, you know, if, if you're still in school, be an intern. If, if you're not like try and get in as a track reader or an animation assistant or like anything that you can within the, animation uh department you're not going to be pigeon to that especially if you do the work and you're vocal about where you want to go and maybe animate on your own time and it's it's very much the you know hard work really is seen in the industry and finding a mentor like ask animators i've mentored many people at stupid buddy who were even in other departments who wanted to learn animation and We set up like a class schedule where every Friday lunch we got together and I gave them homework to animate on their own and they'd bring it in. And I would critique it just like how my mentor did to me. And people are excited to do that. Uh, You know, if you make friends with an animator, like if you ask them, it may seem scary. We love any opportunity to talk animation. And if we have time, like we might say we don't have time. We have time. Like we would love to do it. Um... If you're struggling to get in, um, let's say to be an animation assistant, what I would recommend you do is those people who emailed, uh, who you sent your, your reel to, and, you know, maybe we're talking to the animation supervisor or the animation coordinator at that place, ask them, you know, follow up with an honest email being like, Hey, I really want to go. And maybe practice some skills so that I can be considered in the future. What do you feel like briefly is lacking from my reel? And they might tell you more character dialogue or weight or whatever it is. You go home and you work on that. You animate, you work on that, you bring it in. And even if it's only 10% better, the fact that you showed that you went and you worked on it and you're willing to keep doing the work puts you ahead of everyone else.
0: Yeah, totally. hundred percent. Like you want to work with somebody who's passionate, dedicated, and like wants to improve versus somebody. It even goes back to your first point of being about being humble versus somebody who's like, I got the job. I'm so good. Like, can't tell me anything, et cetera. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, the two big things are be humble and be a good sport. And the second one is like, if you're trying to get your in, like try to try to get into the animation department somehow, if you're like track reading, which is like lip sync reading.
1: Yeah, uh, you're, you're creating like the, the map that animators use uh, so that they don't have to like, listen yeah. to Phonetic and do even more work. <laughs>
0: right, right, right. Or like some, and if you can't get into the animation department, like um, use your like, Be honest and humble, and ask for advice, and then like go and follow up on that. That's really good advice. Um, Amazing. Is there as we're kind of wrapping up? Is there anything else you wanted to share that was on your mind, or things you think would be important for people to know, or just happy news, or I don't know.
1: Um, I mean, gosh, there's always so. Listen, I can chat forever. Yeah,
0: I mean, we can. There's a
1: things I can talk about. (laughs) You at some point you have to call your vet. Hit on. It's all fun. But I feel like, I feel like I, I gave enough of a fun little nugget.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, thank you for all those, those fun little nuggets. Your journey has been, I'm so happy you shared your journey because like even just from what I knew about you from following you, I didn't know even half of it. And it's, it's like super insightful me for me to just learn more about how you got into it and what you're doing and, I wish you all the best with your show. I can't wait until I see, you know, that announcement that like, hey, it's being greenlit. I'm making it. Oh, maybe, maybe I'll work on it. Maybe you'll contact me and be like, hey, can you come and work on this? And I'd say yes. And this Please, is what's sorry. happening now. <laughs> yeah.
1: I just want, I want a fun place where we can create and make something meaningful.
0: Yeah, I love that, and I love that you have this overarching goal of just like you know empowering your community and the people you work with. I think that's amazing and and much needed in every industry. So I really Agree. hope that you find success. Um, thank you. Well, anyways, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to chat.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah.
1: And scheduling <laughs>
0: Yeah, and if so you're listening and you wanna
1: dollars worth of sand.
0: Hey. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> If you're listening and you want to follow or get in touch with Lindsay.
1: Oh, wait, I have great news. Oh, tell me. From the hospital.
0: Amazing. That's, that's the best news I've heard.
1: He must've pooped out the sand.
0: (laughs) Your dog pooped out the sand. He pooped it out. (laughs) This is how we're wrapping up this chat. Dog pooped out the sand. Everybody's happy. (laughs) Now go see your pup. But if you're listening and want to get in touch with Lindsay or reach out to her or follow her work, you can do so on Instagram at 10 Second Day. And I'll include the link to that in the description of this chat. Thank you so much for listening. That's all. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.